Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Are we on? Yeah. Are we on? Look at this, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're in a room. I know Together. we're in a room. Not only are we in a room, but we are in a room that I vacuumed. I know, right? Because it's a special night. I, 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 feel, I feel honored. You're Ladies back and in the studio. Well, I feel, I feel touched. <laughs> I in haven't a way touched that. Um, <laughs> welcome, everybody. <laughs> this is the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And this is our 300th episode. And just to let everybody know, it took me most of the day, but the cameras are back. So we have my camera here, which mm -hmm. you see the, the camera here, and then we have Mr. Harvey's camera, which is right there. And look, there's a blurry. It's well, a blurry. It shouldn't I'm, be blurry. I'm, I'm focused. I'm better out of focus. It's just, honestly, I, I look I so much focused, better. It's, I it's, a, it. it's like back when, in the days when they would put, like, you know, the, the Vaseline on the, on the lens yeah. to make the, the woman more ethereal. Yes, yes. That, I'm, I'm completely on board with having that effect applied to me. <laughs> I think, I think yours prettier. might be a little bit dark, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things because you're just a darker soul anyway, I am. Right? Deep down inside, everyone knows I have a, I have a soul as, as pitch as black. Yes. All right. Now, um... I'm not quite sure that I can handle everything going right for once. <laughs> you, and I mean, you I know, I know. Just, I just said just, that out I loud. Just said that out loud. Did, but, have you learned nothing? Uh, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> One thing that is not going right: our our broadcast to Odyssey, our stream to Odyssey, is not working tonight. Fair. So there is our there is our one thing. <laughs> I see. It's one of those one of those things. Um, I am holding the plastic scimitar sword thing because about as historically accurate as the weapons used in in 300 yeah also yeah <laughs> we are talking about Zack snyder's 300 tonight because it is our 300th episode i i almost said 300 anniversary <laughs> that would be a trick wouldn't it we have mentioned a few times we are getting up in years we are we are getting up in not years. quite that many yet so To do, to do, uh, yes, it is main camera chat right there, and you should be able to now. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on. Now, what you need to do, Miss Engineer, is over in the left hand monitor, you have to turn the particular comment on that you want to feature. Your ears have just been traumatized by Jason yes. not turning the volume down on his phone during recording. Right, which is what I do. And there is Dave in the chat. Good to see you. Um, call him the Sybil Shepherd filter. There we go. On yeah. Tim's camera, yeah. Right. Although it goes back further than Sybil oh, Shepherd. Oh God, I mean, Lord! Star Nineteen. Trek. Jerry Fennerman did it a lot. Nineteen twenties guys. You're looking yeah. at you're looking at early cinema. So well, and and nowadays, well, the. The modern day guerrilla filmmaking hack mm -hmm. for that is uh, a piece of a woman's nylons. Mm -hmm. 
you take you take the pantyhose, the 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 lighter color, depending on what kind of effect you want, and you put it over the lens and you stretch it really tight to have that that filmy gauzy look over the whole thing. There's so. also a graphics plugin I have in one of my edit pieces of editing software. You just I, push yes, the button. <laughs> I have it too. I have it too. It's something, but you know. Yeah. For the people who are out there in the right, field, right, you, right. Want a, you want an in-camera yeah, effect. Yeah, because that, uh, that, some of that, uh, those nifty little plugins are, are not cheap. So. Yeah. So, what? Does it update by itself, or do I have to update it? Um, you might have to... <sighs> I, I shall have to, it's I shall have to address this. So, okay, so... Let me do this real quick because sure, I can do sure. it faster. Stand Excuse by, me, folks. folks. Stand by for just a moment. Let me have that, please. Okay. It's been a while since we've had to do this. In, in fairness to 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 you know Mrs. Boss here, I have not been in studio in a while. Well, and it's and it's one of those things where sometimes this is a new thing. This is, a, this is a new thing, and it is uh, it is one of those things where um, Mrs. Boss's phone also is making noise. Well, and 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 her engineering. You know, we've got her. We got her on there as as engineer, but she mm -hmm. hasn't had to do it in a while because right. you exactly. haven't been exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm completely understand. Now, shall I regale you with a tale? I, I sure. Because it is it is it's relevant. Entirely related okay. to what? Okay. Sure. So, on this table, you will see I have two two copies. Two copies mm -hmm. of the movie 300. So <laughs> I heard that. So Mrs. Boss goes to get a copy of 300. The only one that she can find mm -hmm. at the used shops is a full screen version DVD. Okay, fine. That's whatever. Something you know, we thankfully you don't see that much of anymore. Right. You can't find it and this is the one you find, and you know it's it's just for purposes of me right. seeing the film, so we can talk about it tonight. Because well, I well I have seen the film three hundred. Jason had not. Right, and so we get this thing, and so so on her way home today, Mindy decides, well, she's going to go by because she found another store that had a widescreen. Explain what? why I had to go find another. Well, okay, okay, wait, yeah. So Sunday night. Sunday night, we put this one into the machine, mm -hmm. and the FBI copyright warning comes up, sure. fines up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, great. And then the Warner Brothers, bing, 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 and sure, then sure. black. And, and it just nothing? and nothing. It just stopped <laughs> oh spinning. And so I put it in the other DVD player because I got I got you know we got the Blu-ray, we got the DVD. Right. Did the same thing. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Warner Brothers. Ding 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 ding. Black. Okay. So now, while Snyder does have a distinct visual <laughs> style. <laughs> yes, that's not it. It is in fact one you can see. So. Yeah. So. So on her way home from work today, Mrs. Boss on Mondays has to be in the office again. So mm -hmm. she's on her way home. She finds another copy. So she comes in and she gives, she has this one. It's widescreen edition, widescreen DVD edition, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so... Is this your long way of saying you haven't watched the movie? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> it's even better than that. I had the choice between DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. Sure, right. And so, the Blu-ray was fine because so, we watched the Night of Comet. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we watched Night of the Comet last night because we couldn't watch 300. <laughs> so she brings this home today. Compare, contrast. She brings, it, she brings <laughs> this in, and I, I put it in the, the player upstairs, and I get disc error. <laughs> and so I put uh, it in the other DVD player upstairs. Loading, loading, loading. <laughs> so... I brought it down here, I brought it to the office, I put it in the DVD player that I've got in the office. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know, it starts to work. Okay. I get the menu. You know, the big loud right, yeah. mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Not the ideal scenario because, you know, we don't, this is not really set up for, right, for sure. watching movies. I mean, I can sit You're and watch something over Plenty there. big monitor, but. Yeah, we, you know, so we put, throw it up on the monitor. They're at the beach. And Xerxes wants to parlay. You know that what that mm. meaning was? Let's go, you know, uh, Leonidas is eating the apple, right? right? Sure. So let's, yeah, we can be, we can afford to be civil. 57 minutes. It freezes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, this is 57 minutes <laughs> of 300 tonight. Because oh I never my. could get it to go past that. Even even picking up the, uh, you know, getting it back in there and getting the menu. If I had known you were having so much trouble, I would have brought given you my copy. I, didn't I own the I DVD. Didn't, I know. I didn't anticipate problems. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, my. But two discs in a row from two different places. And I, I will say, now, folks, this is a, this is a PSA. Mm-hmm. This is a PSA that I would like for everyone to really pay attention and listen to. On, on DVDs and Blu-rays, mm -hmm. you have, generally, you have a surface on which the graphic is printed sure, and right. whatnot. Uh -huh. yeah. This is not where the movie is. Right. Right. The movie is here on this shiny reflective surface that does not like sugar and fingerprints and body oils right, and hairspray right. and anything else. Oh yeah, yeah. I bought some used DVDs in my time where it's like... This one was pretty bad. I mean, it wasn't terrible. And it, it's worth investing in a DVD. If you're, if you're still going to use DVDs and Blu-rays, it's worth investing in a cleaning kit. Yeah. A good one. Dave says, I thought I was the only one who had playback issues these days. <laughs> I generally don't. I don't have that usually. I have, I have transitioned mostly to digital files at this point. But I have a very large DVD collection, uh, kind of a large VHS collection. Um, and I have a VHS player that still works. I don't. Uh, but uh, I'm doing better than you. That's right. Except, except so that I can watch my copy at 300. Because I did, um, because I've had, it's been a while since I've seen it, we're going to talk about it. Um, I, you know, it's interesting, it's an interesting movie, because 
it's it's like the the Greek Braveheart. It's this big, interest, visually interesting movie that's very dramatic and very emotional and about as historically accurate as, I mean, well, and, both, and both films are, I mean, they're, they're powerful movies, but they are not historically accurate movies. And, and Frank Miller admitted that he's made some changes. Oh, and then yeah. Zack Snyder has made some changes past that. So right. And, we, and, and, we know that this is going right, into Unfortunately, it. Zack Snyder has also said it's 90% accurate, and it's not. <laughs> it's not remotely close to 90% accurate. Now, It doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable movie, but it's not history, folks. Your characterization of it is much more generous than mine would be. I got to the point where they're visiting the Oracle. And you got the girl underwater is how they shot that. And it looks, okay, fine, I see what you're doing, but it's obvious you shot this underwater. There's nothing, there's, there's no effect other than she's underwater. Right, right. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a dumb movie. Okay, we'll see. It is. It's, I, 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 I uh, okay, so, I'm watching this because I have to talk about it tonight, but man, this is a dumb movie. So, so if you're not familiar with, familiar with the history of, of the film, so Frank Miller, the comic book artist for, you know, known for a great many things, Daredevil, Dark Knight Returns, um, 300 was written 10 years before the movie was made as a comic. And it was not a particularly popular comic. It did okay, but it was one of his big breakout comics, right? right. He was, he, it was something that he didn't do for, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big superhero, right? And it was a historical comic, comic. And it was inspired by a film from the 50s or 60s called yeah. The 300. And, and he, was, he was very taken with this because he saw it when he was a kid. He was a kid. He, was like he, or seven he watched old. it again as an adult and went, this is not a good movie. And so he set out to write a comic book that was kind of an adaptation of his memories. So we're already removed. So we have the historical events, which, by the way, our historical records are, are the people who actually told us these stories, people like Heroditus, mm. also called alternately the father of history and the father of lies, because his <laughs> histories are often, he was, he was either incredibly gullible because he recorded a lot of things which are blatantly impossible. Or he embellished. Or he embellished. And you know what? Interestingly enough, during this time period of history, a lot of what we have in terms of recorded history versus archaeology. Yeah. The recorded history, sometimes accuracy was not as, in, 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 in otherwise known as objective truth, was not as important as the story. Right. And and so and, some of the and stuff a lot of that too. Remember, early days of civilization and, and mankind. It was all oral. Yeah. Right. So so you get into your history, and when you get into archaeology, and I'm a huge fan of archaeology and and the things we discover about the past. My father was an archaeologist. I considered becoming an archaeologist early when I was much younger. Uh, too much math, really, ultimately involved. Uh, with Isn't that I'm, just I'm, how it all works? I'm not a great math. I'm I'm, I'm I'm great with geometry. I've got a graphic design degree. The visual aspects of geometry is very natural. Yeah. Trigonometry? Nah, no, let's not, let's not go there. My first college major mm -hmm. was international business. Because mm. I, I figured... There's I'm a lot of math in there. 
But international business, I thought business algebra, because because my my goal was, I was thinking I'd be a translator. Mm -hmm. You know, study German and Spanish. Sure. And I got to business algebra, and I said, nope, I'm not going to be an international <laughs> business major. But the, the, the story of the 300, the story of Sparta versus uh, the Persian Empire, um, was already embellished by the time. I mean, the, so many of the stories we have are history and then some. Yeah. You didn't get to the end of the movie, which is one of the things that it, uh, there were audiences when the film came out didn't grasp initially that the entire movie is wartime propaganda from the point of view of one of the surviving Spartans. Right. Who sits there and goes, you know, he's, he's standing there going, and this is why we must fight. And it's like, oh, this is you telling the tale. It's, it's of, an unreliable narrator. It's a very unreliable narrator because yeah. you get into some of these things where it's like, uh, when, when the, the, the Persian immortals show up, they're presented almost like these demonic... Um, right. uh, uh, in, in almost quote-unquote invincible warriors. Historically, the, the immortals were a great PR move because basically what they, they were a group of about 10,000 soldiers who were very well trained, who every time they died, they were not recruited people, so the, it never looked like the 10,000, this giant 10,000 army of people ever got any smaller because they just, you, you killed them off and, they, and there was another one because... Yeah. And they all dress the same, and and so I mean, it's there's all these different things where it's like this exaggeration, this this embellishment of the story, and if you look at the movie like that, it's this guy telling this story, this basically he's he's well egging the troops he's on at the beginning of the movie, right? Telling the story, and and it's, it's it seems to it seemed to slip by a lot of people. And it's, it, it comes back to an issue I got with, with some of Snyder's pictures overall. And um, he, he wants to make a point with his movies sometimes. Oh, yes. And the point is there, but... He does... Sucker Punch is, 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 is a great I'm example of that. sitting there thinking about Sucker Punch. Right. Because when you start the movie Sucker Punch... There is the implication that it's being narrated by baby the blonde doll. baby, baby doll. doll. And you get to the last scene, and it's not being narrated by baby doll, it's being narrated by one of the others who's getting on the bus. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, hang on, <laughs> how, how can she possibly know? All of these different things that are going on inside Baby Doll's head. It, you come back to the undeniable narrator idea. I know, but I'm like, but you just changed the the narrator for the entire film. Well, and and not only that, this is another, and he he says that the film is supposed to be about against the objectification, right, and of 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 the female imagery in in this kind of movie. And yet you watch that film going, but that's not the message you're sending hmm. in this movie. And I enjoy Sucker Punch visually. And 300 is a film that I actually enjoy visually as well. Yeah, it's pretty. It looks great. And, and I think that's really, you know, the you look at things like Sin City, and you look at uh, 300, and it's a terrible movie, but the spirit, visually yeah. the spirit yeah. looks good. 
Um, and this whole style, this sort of this sort of heightened reality, clearly shot against a green screen, clearly comic book movie. Right. Right. Um, it's a distinct visual style that looks really cool, and you can look at something like, you you look at at, at you know, um, this kind of film, and you can see where Snyder's appeal as a visual storyteller would get you know things like Watchmen on his plate, and and yeah. Man of Steel, and Batman v Superman. You can you can see the 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 logic of the argument is that here's someone who's capturing something visually that is something you only usually see on the page. And I think part of it too is when you get to at least the pieces of the movie that I saw, <laughs> there's the narration track mm -hmm. and there's the visual pretty people embellishment track. So it's almost like you're watching two different things because you have the story progressing in one mm -hmm. area and then, well, let's stop for this, and let's stop for this, and let's let's do this visual thing over here that doesn't move the story forward very much, but it sure is pretty, and it's and <laughs> at least Sucker Punch used more than two colors because you have in this movie in three hundred you have. Daylight orange and day for night blue. And and it really does look like he took the color temperature cards mm. for tungsten bulbs <laughs> and daylight bulbs. Okay, mm -hmm. so for those of you who are not familiar, tungsten bulbs are measured at 2600 Kelvin and daylight is 50, 5500 Kelvin or somewhere around there and so basically what it is is tungsten bulbs in, interior lights are much more orange mm -hmm. than daylight if you measure the color of daylight it's more blue mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why so many people get it wrong on moonlight because moonlight should not be yellow. Moonlight should be blue because it's a reflection of sunlight and sunlight is sunlight is blue. So it I'm I'm watching this and I'm seeing the daylight stuff really really rich orange daylight and I'm thinking, "Oh, it, that's that's tungsten bulb." <laughs> and it's like I, I can't just watch a movie anymore. I don't remember the last time I just sat and watched a movie. Well, I mean, I think though, with something like Three Hundred, where so much of it really is about the visuals, because if you think about the story that's actually there, it's an incredibly simple story. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and I was thinking about it in the the parallels. Actually, take if you take <clears throat> if you take the movie Braveheart. And you take the movie 300, and you lay them on top of each other. Yep. They're they're the same movie, pretty much. <laughs> and which which is not a criticism of of either individual film. It, it's it's a very it's a kind of storytelling. 
right? Yeah. And considering that the movie Braveheart is not actually based on the actual historical life <laughs> of William Wallace, it's based on the uh, an epic poem that was uh, told about William Wallace. And this, the sad thing is, of course, is that is that the guy who actually wrote the film is a descendant of William Wallace, and he picked <laughs> the the. And, and I get it. I mean, it's 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 this exaggerated her, heroic story. Sure. The real William Wallace, <clears throat> much more complicated person, not as heroic. He was effective, but he, as, as being a hero, yeah, kind of like Robert the Bruce. He's one of the. I mean, my family's Scottish. We're very proud of our Scottish heritage, but Robert the Bruce was a monster. I mean, he's he he was he's incredibly I mean, incredibly important for for liberating Scotland for the period that it was free. But yeah. he also was an awful human being. I mean, he was terrible. <laughs> Speaking of Scottish, mm. I, I want to come back to that point. We're going to take a real quick break. We'll hit the ID and a promo, and then when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion of three hundred on our three hundredth episode. We're so excited. <laughs> we'll be right back. We have 52 reasons to listen to this podcast, but they may change in six months. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi, everyone. Jason Hyde here. I'm the editor at Sci-Fi For Me, inviting you to join me for real talk about the issues of the day, plus in-depth conversations with creators and experts in and around the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genres. We're live from the bunker Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central, only on Sci Fi for Me TV, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Okay, we're back. Gerard Butler. A fine figure of a man. Very tall. <laughs> and born in Scotland. Bo uh, yes. And... His... his uh, uh, and so his was Leonidas, apparently. His Greek accent <laughs> could use some work. Interestingly enough, funny, uh, funny thing is, is that none of our principal characters in this movie are played by... Anything resembling the culture they are portraying. Yeah, there's not a none of the actors are Greek. None of the act uh, um, none of the actors are from the Mediterranean. Um, Xerxes, uh, who's who's Persian, um, is played by. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, the the actors from is, is I want to say he's he's Spanish. Or is, he's is. He's, he's a number of things. I want to say I want to say he's got some South American and some Spain and uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, Looking it up. But there's so yes, um, and Gerard Butler's Gerard Butler is not known. Rodrigo Santoro. Thank you. Yes. Um, he, Gerard Butler is not known for his accent work. In fact, some of the, the times where he has attempted to do other accents, including the uh, an, an American accent has not been particularly successful. It's not his strength. Here, um, yeah, Leonidas, Leonidas was also, uh, at the time period of this battle, in his 60s. Just so you know, <laughs> there's a small, and, and they, were, they were, being physically fit 
was important to Spartans, but I'm going to guarantee you, he didn't look like yeah. uh, Gerard Butler. Um, well, and in the movie they say he's 40. Yeah, no, he's, tw he was, he's yeah. 20, 25, 26 years older uh, when, he, when he actually died uh, at this battle. So. <laughs> he was also one of two kings of Sparta. Sparta had a dual king system, so it wasn't, um, and, and the, there's this whole, the whole setup of the movie, of course, is that Leonidas was like, the, the council says, you can't go, and Leonidas says, I'm going anyway. All right. Uh, okay, that didn't happen. But it, now, I, the way I understand it is that Leonidas' father, Leonidas was third in line for king. He had two older brothers. Yeah, yeah the... And one of them, one of them ran away, and the other one, um, I can't remember what happened to the other one, but somehow Leonidas ended up king by default. So the, the yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he set out to be king, but there's because no, the, he did the the whole Spartan warrior training because they thought he wouldn't be king, and so he well, had to go so and do all that. all the Spartans, <clears throat> all the Spartan men went into the, into the military. It was just part of the culture, yeah. and and the. One of the things that happens in the movie is that it's, and Miller Miller admits this in the graphic novel, and of course, and Snyder was aware of it as well, and they played it up too. The Spartans, the good versus evil of the story mm -hmm. is a lot muddier in reality. That usually is. Um, the Spartans, um, they talk a lot about, about, you know, being slaves of the Persians. The Spartans kept slaves. Um, the Spartans, they talk, there's, there's, accusing the Athenians of being boy lovers. So were the Spartans. Well, this is all well-documented stuff. The, Spart the They kind of really make the Spartans look a lot less worse than they were. Um, now, this was also, now I, when I say worse, we're talking a, a, a modern historical perspective, right? So the Spartans were not that much worse or that much better than any of the, the, the Greek city-states. They happened to be better warriors, um, but they weren't. But they, they, they were, you know, and and they, they all these city states were looked at the other city states and went, "We're better than you." There was a there was a line where right after they left, and they met up with the other group that wanted to join up and fight with them, mm -hmm. and uh, Leonidas was like, "What's your profession?" And he's like, oh well, I'm I'm a I'm a blacksmith. I'm a and he looks over at the guy. He says, "I brought more soldiers than you did, even just having three hundred. And I thought that was that that wasn't that's an effective line, because a lot of times, just in general, training and preparation makes a huge amount of difference mm -hmm. over raw enthusiasm. Oh, no kidding. And I, that, that to me, was probably the best scene of the 57 minutes that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because they have... Um, when was this made? 2007? So, the, the, the... Again, we get back in, we get back into the, the difference between storytelling and reality, especially when it comes to historical pictures. There were not just 300 at this battle. There were 300 plus more than that, plus a bunch more than that. Um, the, the actual number, 
so it's like seven seven thousand ten thousand uh, actual people fought there. The Spartans, of course, the the three hundred um, were they had great PR uh, for and it's a dramatic story and it's big and powerful. But historically, it's not what happened. Right. Uh, but it's um, yeah, and they definitely downplay the other uh, Greek uh, city states that sent people to this battle. Right. And like oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not as good a story. But... Have we even, have we mentioned what battle it was? This is the Battle of Thermopylae. Right. And the Greek, the, 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 the Spartans had a good idea here because the Hot Gates was this, basically this narrow pass that basically served as a funnel. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a big army of like 10 times as many as the, the Greeks had, which the Persians did, it helps if you can funnel them Sure. And you, so they, they limit the amount of damage they can do because you can only get so many soldiers through at a time. This helps even things out. Um, part of this story, I think the effectiveness of this story, is that the Greeks never had a chance. Yeah, it's, they, a, it's an underdog story. It's, and, and, and I think we like those kinds of stories even if they're like, Okay, that that's great, but you know you're going to lose, right? <laughs> I mean, and there's plenty of stories that tell this kind of thing. And again, we come back to Braveheart, same thing. Um, but the portrayal of the Persians is, and it starts it starts with Miller's graphic novel. I mean, he's he's wild. He's he admits he's wildly exaggerating. You know the the Persian things. Um, there's no actual evidence of any kind that Xerxes and Leonidas ever met. Right. Um, Xerxes' father is supposedly murdered before the film starts. No, he lived for four more years. He didn't. Like, he was never even there. Um, Xerxes uh, had a beard. Uh, <laughs> he was human-sized. He was not a god emperor. <laughs> he would have been horribly offended if you if, if he was described as a god king. Uh, because his religion, Zoroastrianism, was like, uh, that would be blasphemy. Right. Uh, the only time he was ever considered a god king was in Egypt when he ruled over Egypt because that's how the Egyptians saw their ruler. So by default. Sure. Um, and now the Greeks did believe him to be considered a god king. So that's where we get that part of the story. That's yeah. the Greeks' perspective. Um, but there's no real indication he was actually at that battle. Um, and certainly no indication. But indica that makes for a less oh. effective story. And it's a great dramatic bit. Uh, it's just, and, and again, once you get into the fact that it's, it's somebody telling the story to make the 300 look good yeah. and, and to be essentially martyrs for the cause, right? That's, right? that's what they're doing. So you get these things like war rhinos, which were not a thing. <laughs> I didn't get to that you part. You didn't get to the, to the... I didn't get to the war rhino. So you didn't get to the parts of the movie which are so over-the-top ridiculous, but they're actually some of the best parts of the film just to watch. I saw the Oracle. So the Oracle... Yeah, okay. So, but... Once, I mean, that's over-the-top ridiculous enough. Once the battle starts... Yeah. Okay, and again, folks, if you've never seen the film, um, make a note. Should you ever have to go into battle, wear the armor that your culture 
encourages you to wear. <laughs> because the Spartans actually went in with pounds of armor on yeah. them. They were very well armored. They uh, and they went into they had a very distinct fighting style that wouldn't be as dramatic as we get in the movie because Jack, Zack Snyder again he's a very visual storyteller. That's Zack Snyder's biggest strength as a movie maker is visual style. His biggest weakness as a filmmaker is scripting. Yeah. Whether or not you enjoy his visual style becomes a question of a personal taste. But well, and I think as, as a story, that's his biggest strength. I think that you get a filmmaker like Zack Snyder or J.J. Abrams, for example, or you know some of these other young bucks who come up and they impress everybody with their first thing, right? Or M. Night. M. Night Shyamalan is another example, and. They get. I don't. I don't know if they buy into their own press or if everybody ignores the fact that this filmmaker has one thing. Well, Spielberg has more than one thing. Well, the thing is that Snyder Snyder actually didn't just have the one thing. Of course, his, his big breakthrough movie, the film. No, no, no. Came, I'm talking about in terms of technique. Well, I know, but, but hold on. But his his first, the, you know, the first breakout film is a zombie movie that doesn't look anything like this. Yeah. And now, admittedly, James Gunn wrote the script. So I mean, again, we come back to visual style and, and story. But this film is what made people look at made Sucker Punch happen. These two films, or was it was it Sucker Punch before or after Watchmen? Uh, it was after. It was after, okay. So yeah, this film made Watchmen happen. By that point, you have two films in there people are going, ooh, look at this visual styles of Zack Snyder. Sucker Punch happens. It's like, ah ha 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 ha. Yeah. And so now we're, now we're locked into, to some degree, the Zack Snyder slow motion, speed up, slow motion, speed up thing that he, he, right. he uses can, a little. Can you imagine, a lot. can you a lot. imagine Zack Snyder's speed force technique combined with J.J. Abrams' lens flares? Sure. You, you would have epileptic seizures all over the place. You wouldn't even have to have epilepsy. That would give me a <laughs> headache right off the bat. I mean, I would just, yeah. it would already be painful. Mazur says, uh, he quotes Mickey and Rocky Three. you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Talking about, you know, once you make it, sure. once you arrive, well, what? now what do you do? Do you, you don't, do you just keep doing the thing that you do? Or do you, do you continue? I mean, I mentioned Spielberg earlier. When he got to Schindler's List, mm -hmm. Spielberg is now an art director, mm -hmm. an, an artistic film director. He's not doing action pictures anymore. And he even said when he's go back when he goes back to Indiana Jones, he had to basically regress his technique sure. and relearn how he made those films. And you look at somebody like a Scorsese, for example, or Brian De Palma, or or you know. Coppola, where they don't have just one distinct thing. They're constantly right. evolving into the next, their next iteration. You know, they uh, they level up, or they, you know, their next, their next form. Right? 
Zack Snyder doesn't have that. Oh, see, I would, I would not necessarily agree with that. I think, hundred percent. I, I think his DC movies have toned it down so to a certain ex extent. His DC movies are almost like the mature form. But it's still there. Yeah, yeah. But when you get and and it's still there even when you get into his Las Vegas zombie stuff. But it's it fits that that's also brighter. It's 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 brighter and almost day glow colors and yeah. shiny neon, right? And I'm and that, curious it, what it Rebel almost, Moon's gonna look it like. Almost works that way. Yeah. I'm I, I you know I enjoyed. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank of the name of the thing. Um, George. Yes. Um, no, it's it's the I enjoyed the zombie the Vegas zombie movie. Um, it's dumb, but it's a Vegas zombie movie. What what else do I want out of a Vegas zombie movie? I want Vegas and zombies. But didn't he didn't he already make that movie though? Oh well, <laughs> not really. What I was mean, that movie? Army of the Dead. Army, uh, yeah, Army of the Dead. Um, Army of the Dead is is. A lot of the things that irritate me about Zack Snyder at visual storytelling styles after a while worked more in Army of the Dead because there's a certain amount of just looking right at the camera and going, you know how ridiculous this is, right? Yeah. Okay, let's have fun. And whereas you look at his, his DC movies, and I'm sorry, they're not fun. They're not no, fun. No, they're not. They're not. And, and uh, oddly enough, the places where, where Snyder seems to be enjoying himself, or at least telling a story that's somewhat enjoyable, is the zombie movies. The thing he started with and the thing he's, he came back to are the, the things where the most fun are in the story. The, the, the career of Roland Emmerich comes mm. to mind. If you look at his stuff, and like with Independence Day and some of the other stuff where he's just gone completely over the top, disaster, let's just blow right, up right. the whole planet type of thing. It almost seems like Emmerich has decided, well, nobody's going to take me seriously as a filmmaker anyway. So I might as well. I might as well lean into it right. and just totally go into it. And he's even said in interviews that he knows, he understands that people expect him to make a certain kind of movie. Nobody's going to nobody's going to let him direct anything else cuz right. he you, was talking about that on on Moonfall. You're not going to get the big romantic comedy from Roland Emmerich. No. You're not going to get the big romantic comedy from Zack Snyder. No. I well, I you would expect, could. You could. I want to see that. <laughs> and, and the only reason that I say that Zack Snyder could do a romantic comedy, not necessarily that it would be any good, mm. but Deborah Snyder would be involved. And the two of them as producers, I say, probably mixes up the potential for the kind of projects that... She's an effective producer. Whereas with Roland Emmerich, you're going to get disaster porn, and that's all you're going to get. Right, and, and there's a place for disaster porn. I mean, sometimes disaster porn is a lot of fun. And it's in the 90s. It's, <laughs> that's a better place for it, that's yes. For it. I'd agree. Um, I think that, I think that um, it's... But see, it feels like Snyder is stuck in that time period, too, because, well, not necessarily the 90s, but there was a certain time period 
between X year and X year when we were getting that kind of film, you know, the, the action pictures and the blockbusters well, and stuff. It, I mean, it, you look it, at the Lethal Weapon films, you know, late, sure. 80, late 80s, early 90s, there was a particular style, a particular technique that, that well, we were in, getting. Interestingly enough, 300 is, is a throwback. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a sword and sandals picture. Not a sword and sorcery picture, but a sword and sandal picture. Yeah. Well, and, but, but Sucker Punch is a throwback, too. Yeah. In a way. A lot, it, there's a certain... There's a, well, it's an exploitation film. It, it, it's, an exploitation, it's an exploitation film with a 90s visual aesthetic. 300, uh, and comic books, and 300 is a sword and sandals flick with, let's see, would have been, it still would have been 90s because that's when it was written and, and drawn. And, and if, you've never, if you've never read the graphic novel, um, I, I, it's worth picking up. Um, it, is, it is actually some of, of the best of Miller's art. So let me ask while. you this. It's a good looking graphic novel. So George Lucas made Star Wars because he couldn't make Flash Gordon. Right. Right. What if, and I'm just spitballing here, folks. This is this is nothing based on anything. I'm just throwing this out here. What Random if, words. What if Zack Snyder made 300 because he couldn't remake a Harryhausen, Jason and the Argonauts, or it's, Sinbad, or anything like that? It's just historically accurate. <laughs> right? Um, I mean, all we need is a Kraken. So in the latter part of the film, <laughs> while, there the is, rhinos? while there is not a kraken, um, we do have war rhinos, and we also have we also have what is essentially a, a there's an ogre essentially. Oh sure, yeah, right. Um, like you have, and, and I mean it's like there's there's this. And, well, he's on the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, this, 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 thing, giant, this giant, this giant ogre thing with, uh, with very sharp teeth. Oh yeah, yeah, I would hate to be his dentist. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a uh, there's a whole lot of of Lord of the Rings in the latter part <laughs> of the film where you're looking at, and to some degree, I think this is this is where this is where Zach I almost Snyder, want to finish it now. Zach <laughs> Zach Snyder wants to make a. I think he really wants to make a fantasy movie. He wants to make a a heroes with swords fights monsters movie because that's in many ways you get that and and yes part a lot of this comes out of the exaggeration that Miller is doing in the comic right wow. um, I mean if you look if you look at the, the production design it's lifted from the comic I mean the, oh, sure. the well that's the, what he did with the Watchmen too. right the exaggerated mm, less so with Watchmen Right, Less yeah, so but Watchmen. but you can definitely tell oh, yeah, no that Watchmen, the comic book, is his storyboard. In, right, in but I think places. I think like the like the uh, Night Owl's costume, for example, in the comic, is much more practical, yeah, uh, and realistic than the comic that we get in the movie, which is much more a superhero costume. Right, which I think is one of the ways that Zack Snyder loses the plot on Watchmen, is that he makes the superheroes. Less the ordinary schlubs they are trained, yeah, brutal, violent, ordinary schlubs, but these are the people who are wearing spandex, not body armor. Right. And I think that's one of the things that I. That's where Snyder goes awry, and, and I, there's a lot of Watchmen that I really like. I think Snyder was, in many ways, the right guy to tackle that project. I agree. 
and and I think he he went up against a it's a it was a huge challenge and he pulls it off overall. I think there are problems with that movie. But well, I think inherently you're going to have problems with that movie because you can't tell the entire story. No, you, could, you can't. I mean, you, you could, but you'd have to be. It, could it's, be it's to a be prestige. A long. It's a prestige miniseries. Yeah, right? I, and they weren't doing that back then. No. Can you imagine Zack Snyder's Watchmen now? Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, look. To, to, it, so, so he goes back and he shoots the black ship stuff, and he shoots the island, and he shoots the octopus, and puts it into his original Watchmen, and it becomes the new director. I guy. would be okay with that. <laughs> Um, but I think it would also be wildly impractical and no one's going to pay for it. Sure, sure. Um, now, if you're going to do that, though, I would also... But here's the thing. I would almost want to go back and do it again from scratch so you could get that more... So you can get the nuance no. that you just can't get because, again, you get into the fact that, that Night Owl, Dan, is a... He's not the heroic ideal. Mm -hmm. He's a middle-aged guy with a punch who's out of shape, and he's dragged back into this. Um, the, there, there are people who idolize Rorschach, and it's like, no, Rorschach is not he's a, a terrible person. He's not a good guy. He happens to be on the side of the good guys, but he's not someone you should be rooting yeah. for. Well, and he also happens to be kind of right. On something. Well, he's not the, everything. The, th but. the thing is, is well, yeah, but it's it's kind of like when you are it, it. Part of the things that you end up looking at is when you're fighting against this greater evil, and we you saw this in World War II, where yeah. you know you've got you know the U.S. teams up with Soviet Union to fight Hitler, and it's like okay, but <laughs> right, <laughs> um, and 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 I think that that's that's. Part of the the things that you, you miss the nuance in the storytelling. I mean, and and of course, okay, it's Alan Moore. I mean, there's nuance. There's there's several nuances, layers of nuance, and and putting it in. And so I think all things considered, Zack Snyder did a good job. Yes, there's no question. I th I, I own the movie. Okay, so I own one, two. Five Zack Snyder films, um, because sometimes they're pretty. I mean, but is that enough? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, and it's like I own I own Sucker Punch. Visually, it's a very it's, interesting, it's very movie. engaging. Yes, uh, but it, yeah, get put in a soundtrack. <laughs> Turn off the dialogue. Kind of like uh, Wizard of Oz with uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink Floyd. And watch yeah. the movie. But Christopher says, "I thought the opening credits of Watchmen was a brilliant piece of visual storytelling." I, and it, and it, is, it goes back. Snyder's got a very definite skill visually. I, there's no question about and I think, that. I think Watchmen is cast beautifully. Yes. I think I think the, they did a, re, a really fantastic job of, of casting people who can really bring those characters off the page in a way that, even with the, the adaptational differences that happen, yeah. you end up with, with I think, pretty true characterizations from the comic, even, I mean... Well, even, you can't go wrong with Carla Gugito. 
No, you cannot. <laughs> she's she, she's one of the best reasons to watch Sucker Punch. Um, but and she's not even one of the main characters. Right. But yeah. Dave says I was surprised after watching Anonymous that Roland Emmerich directed it. I have not seen that movie. I have not either. And, and the, the, here's the thing: is that all of these filmmakers who who fall into these buckets that we put them in right. don't have to be there. And admittedly, if a studio comes to you and says, and, and this is how business works, right? This is how the, the industry works. If you have a successful film doing this, studio is going to come to you and say, do another one look just like it. Yes. And then if that one's successful, they're going to say, no, I want another can I have one. another one? Yeah. Could it be, could it be this with, with this actor in it? Yeah. Okay, sure. If we do it this set in the 1920s, yeah, we do that. And it's just going to keep going. And then marketing gets involved, and you end up with Batman and Robin. Right. Can we sell toys? But if the, and in some degree, one of the best things that can happen to you is to have one of those not do well. So the studio isn't coming back to you for that same thing. Yeah. And that maybe another studio goes, hey, we noticed you aren't getting asked to do a third one of those. You want to do one of these? But how often does that really happen? Well, I think that some... It, because it, after, after the failure, quote-unquote so-called, it has... It only made back five times its budget. <laughs> right? <laughs> this film's a disaster. It didn't, meet it didn't make a billion dollars. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't make expectations. Well, let's... Let's discuss your expectations. Yeah. Well, and, and, but see, the thing about it is, though, with the capes, you know, uh, the expectation is every, every, everything's going to make a billion dollars right. now, right? So, um, I, 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 I don't know that Snyder needs to make a completely different kind of movie. But you mentioned doing the Swords of Monsters thing. I'm curious to see what Rebel Moon is going to look like. Because that was his Star Wars pitch. Right. That and he's reskinned. But you know what? Every time I read a description of that film, I don't think Star Wars. You know what I think? I think Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the plot from Battle Beyond the Stars, Jason. It is. It is exactly the plot. It's, but isn't Battle Beyond the Stars? It's a Star Wars Star ripoff. Wars ripoff? That's yeah, the, point. So. the fact is, they're describing it as you know. And I'm like, but yeah. that's the plot to Battle Beyond the Stars, guys. D David Hasselhoff has to show up in it. I give you the movie. <laughs> I mean, it it actually makes it look like it might be. Fun and yeah. I mean I don't know I mean I I would actually so Snyder's real hit and miss on comedy mm, yeah there are some funny lines in 300 and interestingly enough some of the funny lines are historically accurate there's a line uh, then then um, they'll they'll fill this guy with arrows and darken the right. fight, then, then, then we will fight in the shade yeah that's an actual record yes, that's actual, actual recorded oh. line it didn't happen. It, w it didn't happen that way. There, some of the best dialogue in the film is taken from other circumstances, not the ones here. Right. Um, but but they're historically recorded that right. somebody so, did actually. Yeah, say which is like, I mean, it's a great line. Or, or tonight we dine in hell. It's just yeah. like, it's it's all the some of these some of these lines are 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 quite funny. Um, 
you know, there's a downside to this. If you see the film, one of the things that are not special effects is the physique of our actors in this movie. Yeah. These guys trained for a long time to look at Brutal training. And, um, uh, yeah, so Gerard Butler injured his back during that training and has a painkiller addiction because of it. So, you know, downsides. Yeah. Um, Michael Fassbender's in this movie. He wasn't it's a, his debut. It wasn't. He wasn't the star he had become, but here, here he is there. A lot of people don't seem to realize that. Um, and it's... Um, it's got a lot going for it in terms of entertainment value, but it's a ridiculous movie. It's deeply... Yes, uh, it is. Uh, it, yeah. it's a, uh, like, like I said at the beginning, it's a dumb movie. So there's just, one of my favorite reviews was from a historian saying this is a deeply silly movie. And I was just like... It's like yeah. it's Greek historian going, no. <laughs> this is deeply <laughs> silly. Um, but it is... It is visually interesting. I think it, it, it's really, as far if you're a fan of Snyder, I'm sure you've seen the film. If you're, oh, if sure, you're a Snyder yeah. fan, if you if you but if you haven't seen the film, if if you don't like Snyder's um, uh, DC movies, if you don't like the grim dark uh, feeling that a lot of people got the the vibe off his movies, if you don't care about the Snyder cut. This is actually an entertaining film to watch in just terms of spectacle. Um, yeah, but I guess. it's not, I mean... It, At least for 57 minutes. It, it's an easy, I completely understand <laughs> not enjoying it, though, because it's... Well, I didn't say I, I didn't enjoy it. Mm. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I, it, I, I recognize it for what it is. That's, that, that's part of it. The other part is... I, I see what Snyder is doing, and, and it's early in his career-ish. You know, it's it's earlier than what we're doing now. This did follow Sin City, so he's not actually treading new ground. He wasn't involved in Sin City, was I he? I know, but Sin yeah. City, this, this sort of comic book style okay, okay, translation okay, is already up yeah. from the same writer. Right, right, so. right. But as I'm watching it, I have this little this little thing in my head going... Man, this is a dumb movie. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just like, that's, okay, that's a that's a, that's a clever line. That uh, that's a, that's an okay scene. That's a decent. That's a decent. Man, this is a dumb movie. And 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 it's mostly, this is a dumb movie more than it is of. Oh, I like you know that was right, that yeah. was pretty clever. That was you know, I was like. Well, and and again, you 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 didn't get to the part where we have this all-out battle where it's just this epic kind of. You know the the beauty of violence kind yeah. of thing that you get into with this sort of stuff, um, and and the really exaggeratedness of it. Oh, but sure. you also get you also haven't got into the part where some of the deeply um, flawed parts of Miller's original story become apparent, because there are some logic flaws <clears throat> and some uh, some historical revisionism that make the logic flaws stand out even more. Oh, yeah. One of the non-Persian villains of the story is a... Um, uh, the Hunchback? The Hunchback, who... In the real world, <laughs> wasn't... Uh, the person who betrayed them was actually a local. It wasn't a Spartan. It was a guy who lived in the area. Uh, and it just came down to... Uh, it was in his 
financial and and survival interest sure. to betray them. Um, it wasn't this big uh, Leonidas making an incredibly dumb tactical move by going, get away from me, ugly thing. Yeah. You cannot be, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and, again, and again, it plays into this whole idea of beauty versus good and evil being well, you know, ugly I didn't, and et cetera, I didn't et get the sense that it was a beauty versus ugly thing. It was you know, the, the, fail, the, the phalanx tactic where you, you bring your shield up to protect the guy next to you and he couldn't, so... Right, no, no, it's... I mean, it's, that's, that's a piece and, of it. And that's a great explanation. However, when you get into the latter part of the film, where our Spartans, yet. everybody fighting, are fighting, you know what goes right out the window first thing right away? The phalanx. Anything resembling <laughs> fighting together. They all basically are fighting as... Because they all have to have their hero moment. Sure, sure. Um, and there's just a lot of, you know... Uh, Okay, there's the, there's a, the second part of the film is a lot about the rule of cool. Does it oh, look cool? Yeah. Let's have it. There you we know. go. Hey, we got a giant orc. Wait a minute. There are no orcs <laughs> in this movie. Shut up. There's a giant orc. Got it, got it, got it. Oh, wait. The immortals, the immortals are deeply terrifying monsters under their masks? But they weren't. Shut up. It looks cool. You know, I mean, there's a lot of that in this movie. Uh, Christopher asks, who would you cast in the Sybil Danning role for Rebel Moon? Oh, oh, Charlize Theron. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She she would have it. Okay, she's a genre fan, and she would have a blast. Yeah. That I'm I'm I think that would be just be. Could you imagine? Oh yeah, she'd be vamping it all over the place. It would be awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, we will leave it at that. And uh, and 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 if you haven't seen Three Hundred. At, at least the first 57 minutes of it are okay. It's entertaining nonsense. <laughs> Don't go in thinking it's history. Uh, at some point, I'll probably finish it. But, well, you know, but it's, you know what? It's, it, it's actually a good entry point to look at a couple of things. One, again, I encourage you to check out the original Frank Miller graphic novel. Right. Uh, on the page, I think in some ways it's more effective. The artwork is actually... it's. Miller's style after 300, his... his, illust his the way he actually produced his art, I think went downhill. I think it's the last great thing he did visually as mm -hmm. an artist. This is an opinion, you can disagree, feel free to disagree, but, um, but hey, it's also a good entry point to actually look at the real history. It was a very interesting dramatic time, yeah. both for on the Persian side and on the Greek side. What was going on within the Persian Empire in those times, um, um, Xerxes, Grandfather, or great grandfather, was Cyrus. Um, he was he was the he was the the king who freed uh, the Jews from Babylon. Mm, okay. Um, it, Persia Persia at that time was this really rich society, and the Greeks had a really interesting society. And these were two really powerful and interesting empires that could not help but clash because they they were both in the other person's way. Yeah. And so it's a really interesting period in history. It's very worth reading and, and exploring. Um, and you can sit there and watch 300 and go, <laughs> right, that, that's not right. It's kind of <laughs> like watching Bowfinger. <laughs> that's not how that works. Except, that's not how that except works. Except Bowfinger's more fun. But that's not how it works. But it's I, still more fun. It is, it is one of the films I probably will use as a reference now for the rest of my life in the that's not how it works department. I, uh, I, which is probably better than some of the other ones that I'd had on my list, but. 
I remember the first time I watched Braveheart, saw it in the theater yeah. with my girlfriend at the time. And we were, and her family's Scottish too. And so we were just sitting there going, this is a thing of beauty. <laughs> and then I, because I was just at the right age with my family and I were just really digging into our Scottish heritage. And I started reading about William Wallace. I'm like, hang on. Right. And really diving into William the Bruce and I'm like, Hang on. <laughs> and you get, so I watched the movie again and again. I own the movie. It's a great film. It looks cool. And I get to the end and it's like Robert the Bruce is like for William Wallace. I'm like, <laughs> Robert the Bruce is like, yeah, yeah, I remember that Wallace guy. <laughs> but, um, you know, Robert the Bruce also shanked a guy in a church. I mean, come on. He's, he's a little more than this holy sort of wish. Holy ground, Highlander. Yeah, well, yeah. he was like, <laughs> right. well, I got your holy ground. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean, there's, these are these are richer characters than the movies give them a chance to be. That's all, that's that's the thing to be. Dramatic about. license, let's say, right? So, yeah. It, it, <laughs> a well, lot of it. And and the, the, depth, the depth of characters like Leonidas his own life, uh, what was going on in, in Sparta, the depth of character of Xerxes' rule, mm -hmm. um, his empire, and, and what was going on with with his family. Um, and there's there's a lot more than you can do in any historical picture, exaggerated oh, sure. or, sure. or not. But it's an interesting entry point to get in to learn about these things. Um, because uh, it's, it's like the Untouchables. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's I mean, it's a good movie. It, it's an excellent movie. It's not it, how it happened. It's not how it happened. But it but it it does give you an entry point. Like, oh, I think I'm going to look right. into this. And and quite frankly, yeah. you know, it does. It never hurts to actually learn um, more about the history because not only do you learn about the history of, of what's going on in these particular cultures, but you learn about how we recorded history, how mm -hmm. we tracked that stuff, and how we told stories, yeah. told the story of our of our of our various cultures. It's kind of cool. And anybody who is new to the channel, new to the show, if you want to go through the history of the H2O podcast, see what I did there? 299 other episodes. 290, well, there's two missing. The, ba the Batwoman episode is gone. Oh, I, can't, yeah. I can't find it. That was, I think it's like episode 22 or something like that. And there's one other one I can't remember, but they, they, they disappeared with a, with a hard time death. But um, the first 150 episodes, if you go over to sci-fi4me.com, it's, it's in the menu because those are actual audio podcasts. This is before we went to video. Mm -hmm. And then um, the rest of them are scattered about here on, on, this, on this video platform. And so that gives me a moment to say where all of our video platform and and, and social media are. Uh, so Mrs. Boss can pull that up so you can see all of the different social media platforms and the video platforms where we have a presence, uh, mainly so nobody else hijacks the brand. And uh, we have a newsletter you can sign up for. Also, if you are so inclined to support us financially, besides the super chats and stuff over there, you can do the PayPal tip jar or subscribe star and we do have a discord but i don't know what we're doing with it yet so there's that and that's going to do it that's it 300 in the books in the can 300 more <laughs> can, can, can you put up with me that long if we live that long if we live that long well you know 300 let's see 300 there's 300 weeks 352 six more years 
I think we could do that. You might be able to pull out six more years. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everyone. Good Thanks night, for being Thanks. here. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 